Well, I invite you to uh, turn to our passage this morning. Uh, if you have your bulletin, it's printed out there over on page 3. Or you can look in your, in your Bible at 2 Corinthians 5. We're going to look at verses 9 through 15 uh, this morning. We've been studying 2 Corinthians, and, and one passage really flows right into the other. And we'll see that this week. Even the first word of our, uh, of our, of our passage is a connecting word, right? What came before is now encouraging Paul to keep on encouraging us. Uh, and so the last couple of weeks, you might remember if you were here, uh, you might remember what we talked about, what we saw Paul encouraging us with, which is that for those who are believers in Christ, there is this glorious future uh, to, uh, awaiting, what he calls the eternal weight of glory, uh, that though we die, we will be away from the body, but present with the Lord because of Christ. Uh, more than that, when Christ returns, uh, the, the bodies of believers will be raised up and transformed, a, a resurrection body in a resurrected, transformed world. This eternal weight of glory that's coming. And now Paul tells us, uh, well, you'll see uh, how, he, how he connects the two uh, and gets to a related question while, while we wait. Uh, so let's, let's read. We're going to back up a verse. Uh, to verse 8, so we kind of get the flow of where Paul was and where, where he's headed. Uh, so let's uh, let's read. And as we do, remember, uh, all along, uh, this letter is written to the believers at Corinth. So he's talking about the good news for those who know Christ. So if you know Christ, this is all good news and encouragement for you. Uh, if you don't know Christ, you're not trusting in him, then this glorious future is something that God holds out uh, but you only get it through Jesus. So be encouraged to, to trust in Christ uh, and, and know this salvation and know this new calling. Well, let's read. Uh, beginning of verse 8. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So, we, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due uh, for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Uh, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Uh, but what we are uh, is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For we are, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Uh, if we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he who died for all, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Now let's pray. Father, we pray that you would use your word and show us your goodness and your truth and, and guide and direct and encourage your people. Even here, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So... Now what? Now what? It's the kind of question you ask 
after you just received some news, usually big news. Okay, now what? Maybe maybe it's bad news. Uh, maybe maybe you get some lab report back and the doctor says, yeah, your numbers are off. And you think, oh, okay, so now what, right? What, what's next? What do we do? What changes? Uh, now what? Of course, it also could be very good news. The same doctor could come back with a report, your numbers look great. The treatment seems to be working. And so you're immediately thinking, so now what? What does this mean? What, 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 what changes? What do we do next? Right? Now what? Well, Paul has just given us some good news, some very, very good news. This good news that for those who are in Christ, there is this eternal weight of glory that, that is coming, uh, that, that will we'll die, uh, but will be away from the body, but present with the Lord in glory. Uh, and indeed, Christ will come back and transform the world and transform us uh, with resurrection bodies like Jesus to be with him eternally, all as a free gift, this glorious future that's coming. Okay, so now what? There's the good news. So now what? Uh, how does that change things? What, what do we do in the meantime? And that's exactly where Paul goes. Uh, even the first word of our text there in verse 9 is, so... Right? Glorious future to come. So here's, here's what we do now. Here's what, how that changes things. And that's really what we're going to focus in on this morning. This, is, uh, this passage has some complicated, confusing elements to it. We can't get to all of them. Uh, so we're going to try to pick out this one uh, key theme that, that dominates the beginning and the end. Uh, it's this idea of, okay, so now what? In light of the good news, uh, how does that change things now? How does that change our calling now? And, and what Paul does is he answers that question in, in two overlapping statements. And we're going to uh, look at each of them and, and put them together. So the first one is there in verse 9. Right? He talks about away from the body, present with the Lord. Uh, and then he says, verse 9, So, uh, whether we're at home or, at home or away... We make it our aim to please him. Right? So now what? We make it our aim to please him. Uh, we make it our aim, our, our all-consuming goal, to do that which pleases the Lord. Uh, what is it that God loves? Okay, I'm going to strive to do that. Lord, help me to do it. Right? What is it that God hates? Okay, I'm going to strive to flee from that. Lord, help me to do it. Uh, so I'll make it, you make it, I make it, our aim to please uh, the Lord. Now, the context of this statement is, is really important and significant. Uh, right? The context being, Paul talks about this glorious future uh, that awaits because of what God has done in Jesus. Uh, so it's a free gift, this future. Which means, when we talk about making it our aim to please him, uh, we are not talking about do these things, please God, so that maybe if he's pleased enough, you'll earn your ticket into heaven. Right? That is not what we're talking about. Uh, right? It's not try to get into God's good favor so that salvation becomes yours, so that heaven becomes yours. No. Uh, Paul's already established that. Uh, he, even, uh, he, even, he even mentions at the end of the passage... Uh, the key work of Christ dying for all, right, to save us, 
He pays the price. Uh, he pays the price. He, as it were, pays for the ticket. Uh, this is this is the so now what, right? It's the it's the response and what flows out. Um, uh, maybe maybe you were wondering what verse ten is all about. Uh, here's one of these sections that's a whole sermon of itself. We're not going to be able to get to the details. You know, what does it look like for all to appear before the judgment seat of Christ? Uh, well, we can say one thing that is most definitely not. Uh, for the believer, we're not talking about appearing before Christ uh, at the final day so that God can kind of weigh, do we do enough things that please him or not enough things that please him, you know, whether we were in or out. That is not what we're talking about. That's not what Paul's talking about either. Um, here, uh, what God is, is saying is, here's this salvation that's won in Christ, paid for in Christ. This glorious future, we don't deserve any of it, but it's a free gift because Christ died uh, for his people. Uh, what, we're, what Paul's saying is, okay, but now what? In light of that gift, in light of that guarantee, now what? And Paul says, we make it our aim to please him. Um, uh, kids, you remember, if you were here last week, you might remember us talking about that thief on the cross. You remember us talking about that last week? That when Jesus was dying there on the cross, there was this guy next to him, and he was dying too. Remember, he was talking to Jesus. Uh, he said, Jesus, remember me. And you might remember what Jesus said to him. Uh, that Jesus said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Right? Jesus saying, today, you're going to be in heaven with me. Uh, so, uh, when we made this important point, did, did that, was that thief on the cross a really good guy? No, he wasn't. Right? Did he spend his whole life doing all kinds of good things that please God? No, he didn't. Uh, so Jesus wasn't letting him in because he kind of weighed the things and said, you've done enough good things that please him. No, it was a free gift. Uh, the question we're getting at this week is, okay, Jesus has just said to you, thief on the cross, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Okay, now what? Right? Okay, that thief maybe has an hour or two left on this earth. Um, that's not a lot, but it's something. What, what, what's that next hour or two for him? Uh, what, what, what should he be up to in that final hour? He's, he's just heard Jesus say, you're going to be with me in paradise. Uh, what's, he, what's his goal in that final hour or two? Right? He can't do a lot up there on the cross, but he can do something. Right? He's got thoughts he's going to think one way or the other. He maybe has some words he can say one way or the other. Well, here's, that's what Paul's getting at. He's saying, yeah, here's what he can do. He can make it his aim to please him. His mind's probably already going there. Amazed by the love of the Savior, he's, he's, going, to be, he's going to be thinking about God's goodness and, and not thinking about, about the, the wicked and his sin and wanting to go back to that. No, he's going to, I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to think about the greatness of, of God's love. Now, I'm going to say things that, that glorify God. In fact, he's already started to say some things that, uh, that please God as he, as he rebukes the other thief on the cross. Right? It's in light of God's salvation uh, he begins to think, uh, what now? Of course, here we are. Uh, we probably have more than two or three hours left on this earth. So, so what now for us? Um, if, you're, if you're a believer in Christ... Essentially, what God says through his word is those words of Jesus. He declares to you, uh, you will be with me in paradise. Free gift. Christ purchased it on the cross. Uh, so the question that Paul's getting at here is, okay, so, so now what? With the 
two hours with the, I don't know, 200,000 hours we have left? Uh, what, what then? What now? Uh, and here Paul says, we make it our aim to please him. All right? And in light of that love, in light of that salvation, we make it our goal, we make it our, 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 our ambition uh, to focus in, right? What is God love? I'm going to do that. What is God not love? I'm going to flee from that. Now, of course, what this, what this then assumes uh, is that, that we need to know what pleases the Lord. Uh, or, or, or find out what pleases the Lord, right? We need to know it in order to, in order to do it. Um, okay, so take a human illustration. Say, uh, say it's coming up to Maggie's birthday, and I've decided, okay, you know what? Let's, I'm going to take her out on her birthday. If I had my head on straight, I'm thinking, what kind of birthday evening would please her, right? Um, it... I might think that, you know, pizza and a ball game is a great birthday dinner. Um, but in a sense, that's not meaningless, but in a sense, in this particular instance, it's irrelevant what pleases me, right? The, whole, the goal, the idea, again, having my head on straight, uh, it would be what, what pleases her. And, and maybe I already know, we've been married a while, I have some sense, uh, maybe I already know what pleases her, but of course I could always ask. Uh, I could always ask, what, what would please you? Right? Uh, not because I'm trying to earn her love, thankfully. I, she, I know she loves me. Uh, but, but making it my aim because it's my delight to do it. Um, you get the, you get the, kind of the, the analogy, the picture? Right? We have to think and even find out, okay, what is it that pleases me? And that really, that kind of helps to really clarify things. Um, because, of course, we, we live in a time, we live in an age when, when there's all kinds of discussion about what's good and what's bad, right? It seems like everybody, everywhere, is, is talking about things like that, uh, right? Having, having really strong opinions about what is good and what is bad, about what is okay and what is not okay, uh, Right? Really strong opinions. And uh, you might have opinions, I might have opinions, other people have opinions. Those aren't meaningless. But for the, for the Christian, uh, the relevant question really is, okay, what pleases the Lord? Right? Right? Uh, I might have an idea of what I think is good or bad, or you might, or somebody else might. But the real relevant question is, what is it that pleases the Lord? Right? You might already know because you've walked with the Lord for a while, uh, or you can always ask. You can always go to the Lord in prayer and open up your Bible and, and, and try to find out. Scripture even gives that command. Find out what pleases the Lord. Because there's the most relevant question for, uh, for, for the believer. What is it uh, that pleases the Lord? In all the different areas of life, uh, right? He doesn't say everything, but he says some important things in all kinds of areas of life. Okay, what is it that pleases the Lord? Going to work. Uh, so life on the job and using my gifts. What is it that pleases the Lord at work? Uh, when it comes to, to marriage and sexuality, what is it that pleases the Lord? When it comes to the way I speak and, and the way you use your words or the way you use your time or the way you use your money, uh, what is it that pleases the Lord? Uh, if you're not sure, we can ask. 
And we look to the word, the scriptures. It doesn't say everything about everything, but, but it does say the key things that God, where God wants to communicate what actually is pleasing to him, right? We find out what pleases the Lord because in light of his salvation, we, we, have, a, we, we have a goal now, right? Because of this great, glorious gift, we make it our aim to please him. Now let's move to the, the end of the passage and see how Paul repeats this idea, but also expands it. Uh, verses 15 and seven, uh, 14 and 15. <clears throat> For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So you see what Paul does. He, first he gives a summary of the work of Christ. Uh, Christ died in the place of his people, right? In order, to, in order to save us. That's the idea. Died as a sacrifice, a substitute, bearing our wrath so that we don't have to. Christ died for us. But then Paul goes, as he moves into verse 15, he goes to, well, where, where does that death, that work go? What's it aimed towards? What's part of what it's doing? Uh, he died for all, that, verse 15, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Christ, who died and was raised for us. Right? Okay, so can you see how this uh, it takes our first point, repeats some elements, and then also expands it? So uh, it, it reiterates this idea uh, that, uh, that, that what we're talking about here is a response to God's love, not an earning of God's love, uh, right? Because Paul even states it, right? It's because of the work of Christ. It's the love of Christ for us that controls us. Uh, it's flowing out. So we're not trying to earn God's favor, uh, but what, what flows out of it. Notice also, like before, that the, the calling uh, is, is relational. It's personal. That what we're talking about is not kind of bare ethics, you know, a commitment to being a moral person. Uh, God isn't saying here, okay, you're, you're going to strive to be good uh, or, or be morally upright. Uh, no, it, it, though it might include those things, the calling is relational, it's personal. Make it your aim to please him. Uh, right? No longer live for yourself, but live for Christ. Right? It's a, it's personal. Right? It's about about a person, Jesus. Um, okay. So, and those elements are in, are in both. But here, Paul adds something. He expands uh, something by by stating the call, uh, the aim in with its opposite, with its opposite. So you caught that there in verse fifteen. Christ died for us. That, he might, that we might no longer live for themselves, but live for, uh, for him who for their sake died and was raised. See, what he lays out is, is two roads, two paths. Uh, there's, the, there's the path of living for self and the path of living for Christ. The path of living for self. In other words, uh, this is where we all are apart from Jesus. Uh, right? we're, we're, we're turned in on ourselves. Uh, we're all about me, 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 my glory, my greatness, all right? That's where we are, the path of living for ourselves apart from Christ. But here's this other path he lays out, which is living for Christ and for his glory. 
And Paul says here that the part of the part of the, the key result of Christ's glorious work for us in his death and resurrection, part of the glorious result is that God is taking us off of one path and onto the other. Right? Off of the path of living for self and onto the path of living for Christ. Now, the part of the temptation for most of us, uh, and, and especially for 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 people like us in churchy circles, you know, part of the temptation for us is we we really like the idea of doing both at the same time. Right? Can I do that, God? Okay, yeah, I want, I want to live. I want to live for Christ, but I also kind of want to live for myself. At least some of the time, at least in some areas of my life. Can I, can I have, like, one foot here and one foot there? Right? That, that's what we, we like, that idea. Uh, but here Paul puts it as, as, as a fork in the road. Right? This is why Christ died. We might no longer live for ourselves, but live, live for Christ. You might think of uh, how Jesus puts it. He says, no one can serve two masters, because he's either going to love one and hate the other, or, or, or vice versa. Uh, right? the, the work, the striving, or the, uh, the goal of what Christ did is to take us off of one path and on and on to another. So part of what this means then, and especially as, as, as Paul defines it here, uh, is, well, we could say, don't be surprised if the road looks hard. Okay, so we said part of, part of this, we're making it our aim to please Christ, there's that new road. Um, so we got to find out what pleases Christ. And so we're going to go to the scriptures. Okay, what is it that pleases Christ in these different areas uh, areas of life? Don't be surprised if the answer that you get is, oh, wow, that seems hard. Because that's how, that's how Paul talks about it. Because it's no longer living for self, but living for Christ. All right? And so don't be surprised if that road of what pleases Christ looks like self-denial, looks like laying down your life, Looks like showing up not to be served, but to serve. Right? And that, that, that theme runs throughout Scripture's teaching. You could go to, go to all the different topics of life that we mentioned a minute ago uh, and, and see that same theme of, of, not, of not, being, not, serving, not being served, but serving, laying down your life. Go through the topics. Go through, um, you know, what to do on the job. What what marriage and sexuality is supposed to look like. What what money and time and uh, and talents. All those sorts of things. It has the Bible's teaching has this similar theme. What pleases Christ, the road of of, of living for Christ, looks like laying down your life uh, in order to serve Him. Looks like self denial. Looks like showing up, not to be served, but but to serve. Uh, so don't be surprised if, if you, you, you look and it, wow, that seems hard. Uh, it doesn't mean we're on the wrong road. Very well might mean we're on the right road. Um, not surprising, uh, that road of pleasing Christ, that road of, of living for Christ, looks identical to the road that he himself walked. Right? You might even remember that Jesus used that word, those words, to talk about himself. Uh, that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life, right? And now here we are, saved in Christ, right? Wearing the name of Jesus, it's a free gift, but what is it going to look like for us to live out? Oh, it's going to look like walking that road of Christ, that road of, of, of the one who humbled himself to the lowest place, 
But Philippians 2 is very helpful, that passage we Chris read earlier, very helpful to keep in mind. Because yes, uh, Christ lowered himself, uh, to the, humbled himself to the lowest place, but you see where that path led. It led him to being exalted to the highest place. And of course, that's where God is taking us. Paul's already laid it out. There's that glorious future. Uh, it's right, yes, so it means as we, as we make it our aim to please Christ, it's going to look like uh, going low. It's going to look like humbling ourselves. But the road of Christ looks ends with exaltation because we're following him. Which actually brings us to our last point. We've already kind of started it. Uh, what is this, how does this connect to Jesus? Uh, how does this connect to Jesus? Uh, or, or actually, how are we connected to Jesus? We've seen throughout 2 Corinthians uh, that Paul really, the foundation of all the things that he's teaching is this idea that for the believer, uh, our salvation at the real core of it is us being united to Christ. And that really is the core of our salvation. Uh, that we are, we, are, we are united to him through the power of the Spirit and through faith. So that everything that's Jesus's now becomes ours because we're, we're connected to him. So that, so that uh, at every point and every blessing and place in the Christian life, it's not just believer you all by yourself, uh, but it's you connected to Jesus. Actually, Paul even mentions that concept in our text explicitly. It's there at the end of, of verse 14 when he says, uh, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. You, you think about it for a minute, you get what he's saying, uh, right? One died for all, that's Jesus, died uh, for us, uh, and he says, therefore all die. So in other words, we're dead, essentially. How is that? I'm still alive. Yeah, dead in the sense of you're connected to Jesus, so his death now counts for you. So you're dead to sin uh, and alive, alive to God. It's that idea of union with Christ. And it really is not just that little uh, quick mention. It undergirds the, the whole book and the whole passage here. Uh, and it's actually helpful to, to understand, maybe answer some of, the, some of the questions or worries we might have uh, about, uh, about this whole idea of living for Christ and doing what pleases him. I wonder what, what strikes you as a, a, a question or a worry. Maybe it's this one. This just sounds too hard, right? I, I can't do it, right? Not live for myself, live for Christ, make it my goal and aim to, to do what pleases him. This just seems too hard. Well, if it were just you by yourself, you'd be absolutely right. Just you, just me, just any of us by ourselves, this is way too hard. Why even try? But here's the good news uh, of, of being a believer is you're united to Christ, so it's not just you. It's you connected to Jesus. Uh, and so what is way too hard by ourselves, you connected to Jesus, it's a whole different story uh, because it's you connected to his life uh, and, his, and his strength. You might remember in that Philippians 2 passage, Paul says we, we have the mind of Christ. Yeah, in Christ, we, we already have his, his mind, his heart. It's already at work. Uh, that end of the passage goes on to say uh, that, that we have God at work within us. Right. So we strive to work out our salvation with a sense of seriousness, to, to walk that road of Christ. But how can we do that? How can we even attempt it? Yeah, because Paul says it's God who's at work within you. 
Yeah, united to Christ. You have Christ's spirit. You have Christ's strength. You have Christ's presence. Right? It's not you by yourself. And so your, uh, your efforts are, are, not, are, are not in vain or hopeless. Uh, strengthened by Christ, uh, you have his power. You have his strength. Not that we won't struggle uh, or fumble uh, or feel all kinds of weakness even in our best efforts, which actually maybe raises uh, another question. Uh, right, this language of, of pleasing Christ. How could I please Jesus? Right? How could I do something that, that pleases him? Uh, you might say to yourself, I, I know myself too well. I know that even, the, even in my best of best of best moments, my heart is 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 divided and selfish and and you know tainted and so even my best moments really aren't that great. Maybe you say, "Hold it! Isn't there a verse about that somewhere? Uh, isn't that that verse that I learned that uh, that all our righteous acts are like filthy rags in God's sight?" Um, maybe you remember that one. It's Isaiah sixty-four. Yes, and that is absolutely true. If it's just you by yourself. You by yourself, me by myself. This is us apart from Christ. This is us uh, right in our in our in our natural state, our unbelief. It, just we ourselves, even our best works are unacceptable to God because they're tainted and stained with sin. To say nothing of our worst moments. But again, here's the good news of the gospel. It's not just you. Uh, it's not just you. It's you connected to Jesus. And that means it's a whole different story. Uh, you are cleansed of your sin. You are cleansed of all that unrighteousness. And actually, so are your good works. So are your efforts to serve Christ. Uh, because God looks on them, and again, it's not just you, it's you connected to Jesus. There's this really, really wonderful section of the Westminster Confession Right, not scripture, uh, but but here are these here are these men who put their brains together, men who know more scripture than you and I ever will, uh, and and they they say some things that well it summarizes scripture, but sometimes it just so strikes you as wow this puts all the pieces together. Here's one of the sections for me that's been so very helpful. It's the section of the confession where it talks about good works, and see if you can see how how they put the pieces of scripture together, and. and well, I'll read it. I'll, I'll try to interpret it a little. It's in Old English. So, the persons of believers accepted through Christ, right? You get that? Connected to Jesus. The persons of believers accepted through Christ, their good works are also accepted in him. Not as though they were in this life wholly unblameable or unreprovable in God's sight, right? Acceptable not because they're perfect, uh, or without stain, but that God looks upon them, those works for Christ, looks upon them in his Son, connected to Jesus, and so is pleased to accept them and reward that which is sincere, although accompanied with many weaknesses and imperfections. Can you, can you catch some of that? Can you put it together? Uh, right? It's this idea that our, our Christian life, uh, right, we're united to Christ, and so these efforts to, right, our aims to please him, 
yes, they're, they're weak and they're flawed and they're stained, uh, but, but because we're in Christ, those efforts are, are accepted in Christ. Uh, and so God looks on them and he's pleased. And he's pleased to accept them uh, and pleased to reward them. You might remember what, what 1 Peter 2 says. It says our, our spiritual uh, sacrifices are acceptable in Christ Jesus. Do you see the encouragement that's there? Uh, what it means is, uh, yes, even in your weaknesses, believer, even in your weaknesses and fumbling efforts, your efforts, your striving to, uh, to, to make it your aim to please Christ, that that's not a waste. That in Christ, it's pleasing to him. In Christ, the message from the Lord is, well done, good and faithful servant. Not because you've done it perfectly. We won't this side of heaven. But because Jesus, and we're, we're united to him, and so even those efforts are, are in him, and cleansed, and therefore accepted, pleasing uh, to God. Uh, so you can, uh, you can be encouraged. You can be strengthened. You can also, by the way, uh, take this and do some homework about how this connects uh, to that verse 10 and standing before the judgment seat of Christ. All right, we don't have time to get to this in class, so if you want some extra credit homework, uh, I'll give you a hint. Uh, the, 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 un, the best understanding, I think that the Paul's understanding, is, is union with Christ as the foundation. Put those two together, I think you'll understand verse 10. Uh, that's, that's homework. If you have questions, we can talk later. We can't say everything. Complicated things in this passage. But what, what Paul begins with and Paul ends with is important. Right? He's, he's just unfolded for us the glorious gift of what God has done, our glorious future that awaits. Right, To be away from the body, but, but present with the Lord. Uh, and then this resurrection future where we're, we're, we're clothed with a, with a raised up body in a transformed world. This, this glorious future is a free gift. And Paul now turns to, okay, well, in light of that good news, that free gift because Christ died for us. So now what? So now what? And what he unfolds for us is, well, it's, it's serious business, uh, but, it's, but it's right in line with what we talked before, about in previous weeks. It's, it's of good courage business. It's, it's a confidence business because it's a, it's a calling that's in Christ. Right? And it's a glorious goal that we, we take seriously. God says, make it your aim to please Christ. So we find out what that, what that is, and we strive to do it. Uh, realize that what God has done in his son uh, is take us off that road of living for ourselves so that we be on the road of, of living for Christ. And, and yeah, we'll find that to be hard and difficult. And that's where we remind ourselves that, oh, it's not just me. It's, it's not just you. It's you united to Jesus, his strength, his spirit. And even the, the, the best of our fumbling efforts uh, come before God in the Lord Jesus. And so we can, we can strive and we can look to him and serve him. And, and we, can, we can take those words of Jesus from Matthew and say, uh, in Christ, this is, this is what, what, what I as a gift received from the Lord. This is what the Lord has as, we, as you seek to, uh, to serve him. It's that words of, well done, good and faithful servant. 
You've been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Only in Christ. Only by his grace and his strength. And that's good news. That's, that's pretty good. Father, thank you that you have a glorious purpose and calling for your people. And a calling that fixes our eyes again and again on Jesus and the road that he walked and, and the strength that he gives. And now we pray, Lord, that you would help us to, uh, Lord, to respond to your good news, even this week, uh, making it our aim to please you, our Savior, uh, with joy and confidence and, uh, and delight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mm-hmm.